It's time for a bonus episode, and this one is going to be quite out of the ordinary, as I have a special guest with me here today, Clint Russell with Liberty Lockdown, and we're going to be talking about some politics and some economics, more importantly, where the economy is headed, and the outlook, in his opinion, is fairly bleak, so be forewarned as we dive in. Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. I am honored to have Clint Russell, and he has a podcast called Liberty Lockdown, and I've been listening to your show for quite a while, Clint. And like I mentioned, I have a lot of real estate investing gurus that come on my show and paint the outlook in our economy pretty rosy. And I know with your experience, I know you and your dad have done a lot of real estate investing. I just really wanted- of millions, yeah. (laughs) I wanted some bare bones- Let's state what's actually going on regarding the economy. And this is the first time I think a lot of people are going to really realize that I slant heavily towards the libertarian side of things. You even mentioned on one of your episodes that we have kind of a superpower in the fact that we understand at a deeper level what's going on and we can maybe even take advantage of the situation in in certain regards. So, Clint, I'm just kind of giving you the floor regarding this maybe we even have to go down some austrian economics for some people but i just uh, value your time here today yeah well thank you for having me yeah like you said the show is liberty lockdown so if anybody wants to check it out feel free i'm on all the normal platforms i started it two and a half years ago and uh, right in the beginning of covid prior to that i was a private money mortgage broker for 15 years give or take and i know i know of which i speak i understand the real estate market intimately entrepreneurial aspect of that was about a decade. So I'm currently building six houses. Uh, I've done hundreds of millions of dollars in loans. I've also liquidated hundreds of millions of dollars worth of foreclosures in the 0809 uh, crisis. So I know the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And I am of the opinion that in this escalating interest rate cycle via the Federal Reserve, we are due for some serious pain. We would have had serious pain in 2020, 2021, if it weren't for the foreclosure and eviction moratorium, as well as maintaining interest rates at record low levels. I, obviously, because of the inflationary pressures that we're experiencing, the Federal Reserve is now feeling driven to hike interest rates, reverse their quantitative easing into a quantitative tightening program. And as such, if they maintain that course, I think we will have a terrible recession that will strike well, I mean, we're already in a recession, but I think we will, we will, it will strike the, the real estate market, maybe not as severely as the 0809 collapse, simply because there's not as many adjustable rate mortgages as there once, but I am short term, extraordinarily bearish on real estate long term because of the inflationary pressures, because I believe the Federal Reserve will do what the ECB did to, on Monday, where they reverse course because they realized that there was systemic risk and risk and the contagion effects from their plans to hike interest rates that were already putting Deutsche Bank and a handful of other you know major money managers tycoons on the ropes in their in their neck of the woods for those that aren't aware our globalized economy is now extraordinarily interconnected 
if you see banks in Europe that are on the precipice, that means via the derivatives contracts that American banks are under threat as well. And the Federal Reserve has not reversed course as of yet, but my expectation is that they will. Well, we see it all, all the time, right? We have naturally let the Fed just go rampant when it comes to, they always overcorrect, whether it's undercorrect or overcorrect. And we're the ones dealing with this rubber band in the middle. Yep. Yeah. That's why, that's why I exited the game, to be blunt. I, I mean, first off, I couldn't evaluate macro risks because of the lockdowns, which were the most un-American, unconstitutional, evil things I've ever imagined to have occurred in my lifetime. I'm sure some of your audience won't agree with that, but I stand by it. It didn't prevent or stop the pandemic. It hardly slowed it at all. And we are now suffering terrible economic consequences because of it, not to mention all of the drug addiction, overdoses, suicides, children that are destroyed because of it, not to mention those that aren't destroyed, but simply have you know been held back for a couple of years in terms of their education. It's, uh, it was a catastrophe. And so that paired with the fact that we printed $7 trillion in 2020 and the Federal Reserve was just out of their minds, I no longer felt as a fiduciary to my investors that I could in good conscience continue doing what I was doing. So I stopped. It was a hard decision, but in hindsight, it was the proper one because I, as a private money mortgage broker, I had two to three year loan durations. So almost my entire book has rolled off at this point which makes me feel great because now I know that if my investor's capital is at risk, it's not going to be under my name. It's going to be under some other broker who continued to uh, you know, disperse their capital into a very perilous marketplace. So that's, that's kind of my synopsis on everything. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I hope that I'm wrong, but given my track record, especially you know, predicting in 0506 that we would have a major real estate correction in 0809 or 0708 is really when I was predicting it. And it happened in 0809. So I was a year early. Once again, in this situation, I was probably a year early again. My track record is pretty good, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just said you're finished building six houses. Where, what does the outlook look like for you there? I think I saw whether it was on Twitter or maybe even on your podcast, you even said you've did you sell the last one or you, you got paperwork I have signed on the five of one? six are under contract, but until they're done and, and closed, that doesn't mean much, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm still in danger in that project for sure, but I think that I'll be okay. It's we're already in the framing stage of the five. One of them is already completed and will close next week. So I should exit in an okay condition. The, the material cost because of lockdowns and the inflation that we experienced over the past two years increased my input cost tremendously. So it absorbed basically all of the profit that I was expecting to make from the project. The prices, the exit price, you know, the sale price of mm -hmm. all of them has also gone up, but not quite as much as I had hoped. So it's it's marginal at best, but my my hope is to be completely out of the real estate market by the at the latest, you know, January, February of 2023. Okay. So what are your recommendations then? What should people be aware of? What would you recommend people do now that are still deep into real estate? I mean, a lot of a lot of people see this as their exit strategy when it comes to retirement, frankly. Yeah. Well, I think if you have a long enough time horizon, you'll probably be okay. The majority of my listeners are not professional real estate investors. They are, you know, single family type folks that if they're lucky enough to own one property and a rental property, they're, they're crushing it. So those mm -hmm. folks are the ones that I I'm usually speaking to a professional investor. I hope you're already privy to the macro risks that we're 
undergoing right now. And, and I hope that you're hedging or divesting or liquidating or, I mean, I, I pray you've already refinanced into the record low rates when it was, you know, south of 3%. If you did that, then I think you'll be fine. You can weather it. I mean, 3% rates are legendary. They're record-breaking insanity that should have never happened. And that's part of the reason that we're in such a bubble. From my vantage point, liquidating, if you have tremendous equity, liquidating in this period makes a ton of sense. That's my personal opinion. I'm not giving any financial advice. You do whatever you want with your book, obviously. I, I I would never deign to tell someone what they should do. However, I think that if you have a long enough time horizon and you can't exit for whatever reason, but your financing costs are reasonable, then it's, it, it'll probably work out okay. I mean, long-term, there's still obviously a tremendous amount of, of demand for real estate. I think that that because of the inflationary pressures, which I honestly don't think that the Federal Reserve can maintain this course of hiking interest rates, I think they'll blow up the entire financial market if they do. So I think they'll reverse course and, and probably start with QE and, and reductions in interest rates once again. And in that environment, we should see uh, inflationary pressures, which buoy and ultimately escalate the real estate market to a higher level than they are right now. But that could be four, five, six years. And and for many younger investors in particular, they can't weather that that interim period, that three or four years where they're underwater. So those are more of the people that I speak to on my show. For a professional investor, you know, you could take a, a longer time horizon view. Yeah. Well most of the people that listen to this show, it's it's almost an 80-20 rule. Clint, you know, it's 80% of people that are looking to get into real estate investing. They're trying to decide on making that jump <laughs> into this. And then you have the 20% well, that listen I to just, it. I, for, just, I just puckered their buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. But I mean, we have to face reality. And like I mentioned, I get a lot of real estate investing gurus on who paint a really rosy picture and they basically onward and upward and they focus very heavily on this is when millionaires are made. You know, the market gets down and you're, this is the time to buy, or you're on the but verge of being in, in a situation. It, it's the time to buy. And in what, in what market is it down? I mean, what, what are they referencing when they say that the market's down right now? And in my market, I'm already seeing softening of prices. Prices are starting to drop on real estate. And with the, with the interest rates climbing, the pool of buyers is shrinking fast. Well, it is, but this is the beginning. I mean, I know. A, real, a real estate decline usually takes 18 months or so for the teeth to really sink in. I, I strongly disagree that buying right now is when millionaires are made. I, I would say millionaires are the people that sell right now and they go to cash. I mean, that that's my honest opinion. Now, I do agree with them that millionaires are made in bear markets, but this is not a bear market in, in real estate yet. It will be. Mm. And I think the, that will be your opportunity. So if you are listening right now and you don't own real estate, well, then count yourself lucky because I think you are setting incredibly pretty, especially if you have your income and your credit in order and you're able to qualify for a mortgage when the time comes. I think that you will be able to enter the real estate market probably 25% under what it was just six months ago. Uh, that's tremendously advantageous, especially if you have a shorter you know, time horizon in terms of your, your hold, your flip, whatever you're planning to do, it will hurt you because the interest rates are, are elevated significantly from what you could have bought you know, late last year. But if you don't hold for the duration, that interest rate doesn't matter tremendously. So I think that that's the opportunity. But really, I, I think that the, the thing that I, I'm stunned that professional real estate investors in particular wouldn't see this as you know, tremendous headwinds in front of us in the sense that 
escalating interest rates due to the debt to income ratios and the qualification process for borrowers, how is it that they're going to acquire these properties at these price levels? The answer is the vast majority of people will not be able to. Mm -hmm. So that means that the prices will come down to meet that demand because the demand is not at these levels, not at these interest rates. It's not. So, I mean, Give me pushback if you got any, man. I would love to. I would. Love I'm to not going to push. I'm not going to push back. In fact, that's <laughs> I, why I, I have you on, Clint. <laughs> you know, that's why I have you on because, I, like I said, I'm just I'm tired of hearing it. And when yeah. you are facing facts with the lockdowns and everything that went on, we saw a, a huge, sharp increase in in not only labor costs, but we also going to your your local Home Depot. I mean, everything everything was increased, and now we are dealing with on the verge, you said maybe 18 months is going to be a bear market when it comes to real estate investing. All of this has created the perfect storm. I mean, it's, it's just a mess. I, in fact, my underwriting calculations are just completely off right now. I can't trust any of it. Right. That's, <laughs> I completely agree, man. And, and that's why I exited the market two years ago, because even at that point, I couldn't evaluate things in a secure fashion because I, I realized that if you're going to print seven trillion, you're going to create inflationary pressures. That's obviously bullish for real estate. The flip side of that is inflation causes the Federal Reserve under their mandate, if they're going to abide by it, which they don't have any legal necessity to do so, but because of pitchforks, because the people will ultimately rise up if inflation gets and stays severe enough that it, the pain is so significant that they, they feel as if they're being wronged egregiously, which they are, mind you, uh, then the Federal Reserve will hike interest rates to defend the dollar and to ultimately keep their position of power. And that's what they're doing currently. But I think that when it comes to do they decide to protect the citizen via sound money or do they protect their interests, which is the biggest banks, the biggest money managers on earth, I think that they're going to side with the banks. So I think that they will ultimately revert to an inflationary cycle and and they will let us suffer and languish underneath it. That's my expectation. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, it, it just seems like they don't even learn from their own lessons. I mean, we keep we keep going through these cycles. Inflation is a record high. They just keep printing money. And then whether it's bailouts or the lockdowns, we print how many trillions of dollars for that. And then we're sending more trillions. We're just printing money to foreign countries it, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. Well, and, and now the U.S. Central Bank is essentially the backstop to the global economy. It's, not, it's no longer that we're just looking after our own assets and our own companies and our own people. We're now the backstop to any defaults that happen in any major money manager across the world. But we do, what's it called? I don't know if it's credit swaps or I can't remember the term, but essentially it's a it's the fed window is now open to currency swaps like in in europe right now we're doing that from what i've read we've also been doing that for the japanese with the yen so this is completely unsustainable you cannot be a central bank for the world i'm sorry like you can have a lot of hubris you can have a tremendous amount of confidence in yourselves but you guys can't even manage it just for the united states much less the planet folks so i think that ends in absolute disaster and we're already witnessing it. The, what the fascinating thing is that even though the United States is experiencing, in my lifetime, the greatest inflation we've ever experienced in the eight, nine, a lot of people think it's higher, but we'll just go with CPI numbers, say it's 8%. What's fascinating, though, is that the U.S. dollar compared to the bas baskets of other Western currencies and even some Eastern ones, uh, we're crushing it. We're way stronger. 
I mean, the, the Canadian dollar, the Australian dollar, yuan, the yen, everything else is confetti compared to the US dollar. We're very, very strong. So this is a global phenomenon. And, and because of that, I am extraordinarily concerned about where we're headed. Because if you have a global currency crisis, it's, it's one thing if you have, you know, you had the Asian flu, they called it in the late 90s. You had the, the, the peso in Mexico and then the Latin America financial crisis in the late 80s, early 90s. This is, if you have a one-off or if you have even a, a basket of, of currencies or countries that have issues with their solvency, that's one thing. But if you have a global system that is all insolvent, we have never experienced that before in human history. So I don't know what that means. And anybody that tells you exactly what that means is lying because we have never seen it. There is no cognate. There is no historical comparison where I can go. I've seen this before. I know what happens next. No, I don't. But I am very concerned about it. And if you're not paying attention to it, you should be, particularly if you're a real estate investor. I hate to shift the conversation a little bit, but I keep coming back to the last couple of years where we just tolerated these lockdowns and everybody just kind of went into lockstep regarding the messaging. Do you think that we're going to see some sort of propaganda associated with this that everybody just kind of adapts and just lives with it? Like we're not. Well, yeah, it, no, we, we certainly are. And we, and we have been, I mean, the, the blaming inflation, for instance, they, they attempted very, strongly to blame all of our inflationary issues on Vladimir Putin. That, mm -hmm. was the, uh, that was the initial narrative as to why our economy was in, in shambles. It wasn't the $7 trillion we printed or the record interest rates that we maintained for 15 years. Had nothing to do with that. It was just Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine. I mean, it's total lunacy. I mean, not saying that that has no impact. It, I'm sure it has some impact, but to blame it on that entirely is just laughable. So I think that the next propaganda push will likely be that central bank digital currencies are the only answer. Uh, I think that that will be their, their Band-Aid offered, and it will probably be implemented ver via uh, universal basic income because the financial pain will be so significant that people will just say, look, I need help. I, how am I going to get help? And the central banks are going to turn to you and say, hey, we have help, but it's a new currency. It's called the digital dollar, and we will give you X amount of it per month. You just have to give over all of your biometric data, and, and here you go. Bob's your uncle. CBDC is rolled out. That's my expectation. That's that's more along the conspiracy thinking route. I'm not saying that for a fact. The, the other stuff I'm very confident about. This I'm less confident about. But I, I do think it's the probable outcome because I don't see an alternative, honestly. Where the conspiracy probably comes to reality, though, as we already saw it with Visa and MasterCard, you, you go into the digital currency, have one bad tweet, according to their opinion, and they will shut you down. I mean, we already mm -hmm. see that. It already yeah. happened in Canada with the with the Freedom Convoy. They they did it to the truckers, and and that was yeah. I, I think that that's that's the inevitable conclusion of this is that you know unfortunately the Western world has been following in the footsteps of the CCP. They want to have social credit systems. They already have it on the corporate level via ESG, environmental, social, and governance, and I think that they're going to implement it to the consumer level via universal basic income and central bank digital currencies. That's my expectation. There's, I mean, they talk about it. Christine Lagarde, who's the head of the, I think the ECB, I forget what her exact title is, but she was talking about it just this week. The, we have Fed papers, we have Fed white papers that are discussing central bank digital currencies. Like this, this is not, you know, me just pulling stuff out of thin air. Like they are mm -hmm. openly discussing it. They're openly working on it. They have been working on it for years. And that work has sped up ever since the lockdowns began. So 
I think it's just a matter of, is it ready for, for showtime? Cause if it is, then I think that it'll be implemented very soon. And if it, if it isn't, then they're going to delay the day of reckoning via manipulating the interest rates via the federal reserve until they can get to that. I honestly believe that's the only outcome that I can envision because the alternatives are so, I mean, and for the record, that's about as dystopian as it gets, but from the, Normie's perspective, someone who doesn't understand any of the stuff I'm talking about, they're still going to view UBI and a central bank digital currency as an improvement over 10 to 20 percent annualized inflation that just shreds our savings and our, our purchasing capacity for decades and decades moving forward. I don't think that anyone's going to be happy about that outcome. And they're not and they're, they're just going to look at the CBDC as, you know, a bailout mm-hmm. and they couldn't they couldn't be more wrong. Give us something, Clint. What what can people take advantage of here? You mentioned that, that we, we might have an ability to have a superpower when it comes to the outlook. Sure. You already made a mention, you know, hold on to your resources until it's time to strike. But would you say when that time comes, would you would you focus on single family? Would you focus on multifamily? Would you focus on storage units? Because that's where we're all living. Yeah, I mean, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't focus on cities. <laughs> I would I would probably be most interested in purchasing real estate rurally because I think if we do enter a a sustained inflationary period, you'll see crime and and all sorts of craziness within the cities that you won't want to have to park. You don't you don't want to be a landlord over a property where there's a ton of crime. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are already have been and will continue to migrate to the more rural living. And at at this point, I think that those will be the value buys during the the bear market in real estate. I also think that long term, you know, that that's probably going to be some of the best investments you can make because the dollar and and globally fiat currency by fiat since your audience isn't libertarian, I'll just explain it just means printed money, money that's just backed by the, you know, the full faith and promises of the government, whatever that means. So, I think that as we see more and more fiat currencies essentially dissipate, you'll see a tremendous amount of further and in increasing interest in the Bitcoin market. I would highly recommend if you haven't at least got what I consider an insurance plan in some Bitcoin. I think that now would be a good time to take a look because as of eight months ago, before this bear market began, you, you would have been paying 60 to 70,000 per Bitcoin. You can now get it for under 20. <clears throat> I'm the type of investor when I see that then I start to become interested. Most, the average investor sees the price go from 20 to 70, then they get interested. I do the opposite. It's a much mm-hmm. better way to live. Trust me. <laughs> so yeah. I think that that would be a good hedge against inflation, especially if they do migrate to a central bank digital currency, in which case you will have full panopticon surveillance and you don't want to live that way. Well, Bitcoin will be a, a much more, less easily trackable mechanism for you know pur- purchasing things and transferring assets, things like that. So I think that that'll be a huge opportunity. I think that there may be lower entry points. Let me be very clear. I think that you know Bitcoin could go significantly lower from here. In, in which case, I would I would advise dollar cast averaging, like get a get a little bit now, just as it drops every every time it go ticks down another thousand, get a little bit more. And then, you know, if it gets down to 10,000 or something like that, and you feel like, okay, that, I feel like this, the bottom's in. Okay, well then get whatever the rest you want and then just set it aside. Like that, that's my, that's my plan. I, I think over a decade, that will be incre- just an incredible opportunity. So I, I like that. If it's just a couple percent of your portfolio, I think that over a decade, that could potentially make up for the, the rest of your portfolio. Like the, honestly, that's how bullish I am. So I think that that's that's one hedge. And then if you're if you're interested in real estate, 
I think that in the next two years, you will have opportunities to do so. But I'm a I'm going to keep your powder dry when there's uncertainty. And the uncertainty for me, pretty high right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, and you said fiat. It, it reminded me, I have to share that it was one of the proudest moments I've had in a long time. My my 16-year-old daughter, we were sitting at the kitchen table and and I said fiat in a conversation. And my wife asked, what do you mean by that? And my daughter explained it to her. Oh, that's beautiful. Good job, Ed. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, that, that made me happy that night. I, I was worried you are going to say, she's like, I don't really like that car. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just really great. No, so, that's incredible, man. That's great. Yeah. And good work. So, well, Clint, I, I appreciate you giving me the time here tonight regarding this. And, and uh, again, I want to remind everybody, head over to Liberty Lockdown, the podcast that Clint hosts. You have some amazing guests on Clint, including I listened to an interview with somebody just the other night. I'm sorry, I forgot his name, but the amount of interest that we pay on notes for the United States is it was shocking, especially when then he goes, well, this is the amount of tax dollars we collect. It was (laughs) it doesn't pencil. (laughs) It doesn't pencil. (laughs) Jason Burek, who was the guest there. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the the host of Wall Street from Main Street. Brilliant central bank analyst, and and he definitely has added to my wealth of knowledge. Today, I did an interview with Greg Foss, who's been a bond trader for thirty five years, as well as Guy Swan, who is quote unquote the man who has read read more about Bitcoin than any human being on earth. And and between the three of us, we did a two and a half hour deep dive into the economy. And I would highly recommend people check that out if you want a, a horrifying understanding as to why particularly the libertarian audience is so bearish right now that'll do it that'll that'll scare scare you straight it won't be it won't make you feel warm and fuzzy inside but my my personal opinion as a professional money manager and as a lifelong investor it's not about being warm and fuzzy it's about looking the truth right in its face and, and planning accordingly so that you can profit from it and, and hopefully look after your friends and family. I talk a lot on the show, Clint, is that we, we look for return on investment, but we also look for, re- and far as I'm concerned, we look for return on time. Right. And, and the investment that I place into your podcast has been especially valuable to me. You wearing oh, well, a nat- you. naturalist capitalist shirt too. I like that podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, know? just get, give him support to my buddy, you know. Yeah, he is so... Again, Liberty Lockdown. I'll make sure to have links, corresponding links in the show notes, but I can't thank you enough, Clint. I I promise to try to keep this to 30 minutes, so I'm going to try to do my best to do that. But is there anything else that you can think of that we should have covered? Any questions I should have asked? I mean, there's there's so much more I could talk about with the economy. So I, I don't I don't think it's worth me going deeper because it would stretch us out for another hour. But you know, I just I just really want to double down and emphasize that. In bear markets, that is where life-changing money is made. My only emphasis would be the real estate market is not a bear market yet. Just sit there, be ready, pounce when you see the opportunities. There will be opportunities. I just don't think that they are right this minute. So yeah, you can make life-changing money during these periods though. I, I completely turned my life around. I went from basically a broke college kid to a millionaire in five years because of my ability to invest in in the 08 through 2010 2011 market and and you could do the same theoretically or potentially so do not allow the the scary stuff that i said in the past 30 minutes to dissuade you or make you put your head in the sand or you know cower or become horrified like that's what investing's about man it's it's about evaluating risk 
and realizing when outsized returns can be found. And if you find them, you can change your life. So I hope that people will take away from this uh, a sense of optimism, even though I've presented nothing but negative information. Well, th- thank you so much, Clint. I can't ask for a better 30 minutes, so I, I really appreciate it. My, and, my pleasure, uh, Jack. But hope, hopefully we'll talk again sometime, maybe maybe in the bearish market. We, you, I can bug you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, I, when I feel like there's an opportunity to buy in real estate, feel free to, to have me back. Yeah, we maybe have a rosier outlook. Yeah, I hope so, man. I would love to be a, a bull again. Well, thank you, sir. We'll talk to you thank soon. You. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.